New Heights Baptist Church for our Sunday school hour. Glad that you made it in this morning. Uh, for those that are our regulars around here, it felt a little weird on Wednesday. Who felt weird on Wednesday? Anybody? <laughs> All right. Uh, and then you got over it by Thursday. You ate so much turkey, you forgot about everything else. So, uh, But uh, it was a little weird. Uh, but we had uh, our extra service last Sunday night and uh, really enjoyed that. Man, there were some great, great testimonies, and I was really thankful just to hear them um, and just be a part of that service. So um, anybody uh, eat too much? Anybody eat too much? Anybody eat, anybody eat too little? Anybody? <laughs> like I got one hand. I got two hands. All right. Well, uh, you know what, you guys? I think you guys, you guys still didn't make up for all of us that ate too much, so... Um, go to John chapter number two, John chapter number two uh, in your Bibles this morning. John chapter two, we're going to read a couple verses and jump right into the study. Um, kind of what we're doing is just taking our time. You go, well, yeah, what else is new around here? Um, taking our time going through the gospel of John verse by verse. And as we come across certain topics or things that maybe merit our uh, extra attention, uh, we'll kind of stop there and kind of digest that a little bit before we move on. So uh, a couple of thoughts we're going to come across uh, this morning. The, the first of them is, who is Mary? Um, there's, a, there's a lot of confusion about who Mary is, uh, what her role is in the Bible. Um, and uh, let me just say this. She is an amazing woman in the Bible. She really is. Um, and, and it's a shame that some people take that and they go to an extreme with that. Uh, but you also don't want to ignore the character uh, that God blesses and that God uses. Um, listen, it's, it's kind of a big deal if God comes to you and says, I want to bring the Savior of mankind through you. Um, and so, the, you know, at this time of year especially, I thought it'd be good to kind of uh, digest that thought a little bit. Look at John 2, uh, starting in verse 1. In the third day, there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. I want you to notice a couple of things. Number one, I want you to notice how well-dressed Eric is this morning. Good morning, Eric. So that's number one, all right? Secondly, I want you to notice that he's called the mother of Jesus, the mother of Jesus, um, and that's important. I would encourage you, if you're taking notes, uh, maybe highlight that in your Bible, underline it, uh, and here's why. Uh, never in the Bible do you see Mary given the title mother of God. Um, I, more often than not, when I hear mother of God, it's usually used as a, like someone's upset about saying mother, you know, that, that's how that's used, but uh, but where that comes from is the idea or the doctrine that Mary is uh, the mother of God. And that, that, that is not true. And here's the, here's the problem. The problem is, uh, you know, if you're a Bible-reading, Bible-believing Christian, that Jesus is God. Fair? Yeah. All right. So if, if Mary's the mother of Jesus, then she must be the mother of God. False. And you've got to be able to di dissect the two. And I'll, I'll show you what I mean in just a little bit. And both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus saith unto him, they have no wine. And we talked about what all that was all about last week. And by the way, let me say this about that subject. There is no way for me to go through every verse in the Bible. And there are so many, um, uh, I guess you could say, uh, verses and passages that would need some contextual explanation to make sense of in light of what we talked about last week. But all that said, what I was trying to show you was this that Jesus was not endorsing people getting hammered. That's all I was trying to show you. All right, we can, we can discuss all the other stuff some other time. Uh, it says this in verse uh, number four, though. Jesus saith in her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Um, that's, that, that comes off a little strong. And the reason it does is because um, it kind of is. 
And it may almost seem a little disrespectful. It's not that. Uh, but, but Jesus is trying to make a point in verse 4 about his hour. Mine hour is not yet come. And we're going to talk about this as well, God's timing. God's timing is perfect, whether you realize it or not. And the problem is this. You are dealing with an eternal being who is not bound by time, and you are a finite being who is absolutely bound by time. And therein, therein lies the conflict. You're going, God, why don't you do this? God, why don't you do this? God, why don't you answer this prayer? God, why don't you make this happen? And the Lord's going, you're not ready yet. It's not ready yet. They're not ready yet. There's things you can't see. And so Jesus makes a statement here that we're going to kind of dive into a little bit later on. Uh, look at verse number five. I love this answer from Mary. His mother saith unto the servants, whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. Do it. Um, I, I would love to see a, a t-shirt that says, just do it, dash Jesus. You know, like he's just, he said it, so just do it, right? Um, let, let's go ahead and have a word of prayer and we'll jump into this. Uh, Brother Tim, if you'd ask the Lord's blessing on the word. Amen. Amen. Now, let me just say this on the forefront of this, and I want to be very, very clear. Just because you disagree with someone doesn't mean you have to hate them. I think we've lost that in America and Western civilization altogether. Is the idea that just because I don't agree with you, it doesn't mean I hate you or want you dead. Okay. Uh, let, let me give you a for example. Okay. Taking kids to drag shows is evil. Shooting up a club where drag queens are at is also evil. It's not that hard. They're both wrong. You understand? You don't have to be on like, well, I choose this one or this one. No, no, they're, they're both equally wrong. All right? And, and so we, we come to a place where we're kind of like, well, just because I, I disagree with you, that means you, you want me dead or I hate you. No, not at all. And, and I'll be clear about this. When we explain sound doctrine in our church, it is not to say we are the best and everybody else thinks, or we know everything and nobody else knows nothing. As a matter of fact, you as a Christian ought to approach the Bible with humility like this. Lord, I'm wrong. You're right. I don't get it. Help me out. That's how you approach the Bible. I, I should never come to the Bible with, well, this is the position I take. And Lord, I want you to justify it for me. Let's find it together, shall we? That, that's not how you ought to approach the Bible. And so when you, when you as, as the Bible says, when you rightly divide the word of God and when you show the, the difference between uh, truth and error, which is what I'm called to do to help God's people with that, Sometimes people will walk away going, well, you just hate, for example, you hate Catholic people. Not at all. Most of my family's Catholic. I love them. Matter of fact, I know some Catholics that live a whole lot better lives than a lot of Christians do in this church. And I'm not trying to pick on you. I'm just telling you that there's some good Catholic people. But just because that someone, I love someone or I appreciate their, their moral uh, virtues doesn't mean that everything they believe is right. And so when I point these things out, it's not to say that we hate Catholic, not at all. Uh, we love them. Uh, matter of fact, listen, you can be a saved Catholic or a lost Catholic. That's right. I know some saved Catholics, and I know some lost Baptists. All right? So, so this isn't about that, but it's about showing what is right. And I'll tell you right now, 
what happened is this. People took the, the, uh, the, the character, the Bible character, the historical character of Mary, and they turned her into something that the Bible never says that she was. And, and the problem with this is this. Once you start adding things, or for example, I'm going to show you something later uh, about what the church, uh, Catholic Church teaches about the assumption of Mary and how Mary, and there's debate within the Catholic Church about, did Mary actually die or was she just taken up like Elijah? Some would say she did die a normal death and then she was taken up. Some say, no, no, she was taken up, never died. Now, regardless of all that, the, the problem with any of that is this. The Bible doesn't say that. And once you go, well, the Bible doesn't say so, it might have happened. Well, then Peter, you know, shot his, shot his mother-in-law with a forty-five. I dare you to prove me wrong because it's not there. You, you understand, once you start going down the road of like, well, it's not there so I can make it say that, you're in trouble. All right. So, so what, what I want you to do is this. Uh, look, if you would, at Hebrews chapter number one. Uh, go Actually, go to Psalm chapter two first. Go to Psalm chapter two. And, and the reason I want to do this is this. On the board, it, it, we have this, this little, little thing here. It says, Jesus equals 100% God, 100% man, right? And that's what the Bible calls the mystery of godliness, all right? Now, the Bible says it's without controversy, all right, which means this. Uh, uh, God's not going to debate it with anybody. He said, this is what it is, that's what it is. And so Jesus is, according to the Bible, 100% God, 100% man. And so uh, the, the question then becomes, okay, if, if Mary's the mother of Jesus, which she clearly is, then is she the mother of God? And, and you have to remember from chapter 1, if you weren't here for the study, maybe go back and watch it. But Jesus was not always eternally called the Son. In eternity past, He is the Word of God. That is His eternal title. He gets the term son when he is incarnate or when he comes as a baby. And that's important to get a hold of because he was God back here, but he wasn't man yet. Does that make sense? But then he comes as a man and he's still 100% God and 100% man. Uh, Psalm chapter number two. And uh, by the way, this psalm, this entire psalm has to do with the, the second coming of Jesus to the earth, the establishing of his kingdom and his reign on the earth. Uh, but in this chapter, look, if you would, at verse number seven, uh, verse six, rather. Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. That's in Jerusalem. I'm talking about God, the father, putting his son there. And how you know that is, is verse seven. I will declare the decree. The Lord hath said unto me, thou art my son. Now, look at the next two words. This what? Day. All right. This day have I begotten thee. You might remember that Jesus Christ is called the only begotten Son of the Father. You are, once you're saved, you're a son of God. You know that? John chapter 1, verse 12, 1 John chapter 3. You are a son of God right now, but you're not the only begotten Son. You were born, uh, 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 just like every other sinner on this planet, He was born differently. So He's the only begotten Son of the Father. All right, well, when was He begotten? Was He eternally begotten? No, He was begotten in time. And in, I might be, now some of you may go, I'm not following this. It's important to get a hold of this, guys. He was God, all right? Let, let's do this, all right? So here's the cross, all right? And here's thousands of years. We'll go 4,000 years. Okay, well, guess what? All right, and here we are 2,000, you know, years ahead this way. All right, well, guess what? Jesus was God back here. But do you know what he had never experienced yet? He had never experienced a birth. He never came in this world uh, through the same means that we all do, all right, through a, 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 a birth of, with a mom and all that kind of stuff. He never experienced that. So guess what? He's not begotten here. 
He's begotten right here. When he comes and the Holy Ghost overshadows Mary and this thing that was within her that is conceived of the Holy Spirit, Jesus inside of Mary, that's when he is begotten of the Father. All right? So his eternal nature was here. And yes, he is God in the flesh. We're not taken away from that. But you need to understand, he's not begotten until this day. What I'm trying to get at is it's, it's in time. But he was the Alpha, he's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. All right? He's the Ancient of Days. He always was. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the same was in the beginning with God. And without Him was not anything made that was made. And the Word was made, uh, was made flesh and dwelt among us. Right, And so what you have to understand is this, is that He was God forever, but then He became man here. Well, guess what? That is when you insert Mary, the mother of Jesus, because Jesus is a man's name. All right. Not so much Mary, the mother of God. All right. You're going to see this a couple times throughout the scriptures. Look, if you would, at Hebrews chapter number five, Hebrews chapter five. and We'll go to Galatians as well. I'm kind of going to kind of go with I'm going to try to explain first off who Mary is not. And I want to tell you who she is. All right. Uh, look at Hebrews chapter number five. And you're going to see this one more time reference Hebrews chapter number. I'm sorry, chapter one. Forgive me. Hebrews chapter one. Not chapter 5, Hebrews chapter 1. And look, if you would, at verse number 5. Now, what, what the author of Hebrews is doing at the beginning of this chapter, beginning of this book, is talking about the coming of the Son. Uh, look at verse number 2. Hath in these last days spoken unto us by his what? His Son, right? And it talks about what the Son did. Look at verse 3. At the end of the verse, by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high, uh, being made so much better than the angels, verse number four. And then look at verse five. For under which of the he's trying to draw a comparison between, and you're going to find this throughout the book of Hebrews, by the way, the theme of the book of Hebrews is better. And, and so in chapter one, Jesus is better than the angels, right? And then and in chapter 10, the, the new priesthood is better. The new covenant is better than the old covenant. The new priesthood is better. The new high priest is better than the old high priest. You see that all throughout the book of Hebrews. And so look at verse 5. For unto which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my son, this what? Day. There was a day. Have I begotten thee? Now look, I am not going to... Uh, I'm not going to tell you that the day in which he was begotten was, you know, that he was born was December 25th. Uh, we all know that's, most of you probably already know that's not the day he was born. Regardless of that, I'm thankful he was born. Amen. All right? Because the, the gospel is that Christ died for our sins and was buried and rose again. But he couldn't have done that without first being born. And, and the vessel that God used was Mary. But you have to understand this. She did not give birth to God. She gave birth to Jesus. God manifests in the flesh. And therein lies kind of that, that sticking point, if you will. Look at Galatians chapter number 4. Galatians 4. Galatians 4. Now, the reason that this is an important thing, and you may not see the, the, the you're like, what's the big deal, whether she is or isn't the mother of God, is because once you go down that road, it kind of builds. And you'll learn this when you talk to folks that come from that, maybe that background. Uh, what, what they later on did is they made Mary a mediatrix. How many of you guys have ever heard that word? All right, so what that is, let me get my marker here. All right, what that is is basically a go-between. Um, I told you to go to Galatians 4. Keep your hand there. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 2 as well. Please try again, buddy. Try again, not right now. 
Your phone's trying to tell you not during Sunday school. All right? All right. Um, so let's go over here. All right. Um, a mediatrix, female mediator. You say, what is that? It's a go-between. All right. Well, if you study your Old Testament, this was basically the place of the priests. The priest stood between the, the, the Lord and the people. Um, but here's what's different about where you're at now. You're on the, the New Testament side of this. And on the New Testament side of this, you don't, I'm not Father Adrian, okay? I'm not, I'm not your, you know, you don't come confess your sins to me or anything like that. Um, I, I can't do anything with that. I can pray for you, but I can't get them forgiven. Um, that's about it, you know. Uh, you know, so, so I, th- we're different now. You say, why are we different? Because the book of Hebrews tells us that there was an old covenant over here with Old Testament priests and an Old Testament sacrifice that had to be brought week after week, year after year, and an old covenant that was done away with and was fulfilled over here on this side with a new covenant and a new high priest, and his name is Jesus Christ. And because he's the new high priest, guess what? He's the mediator. Look at First Timothy chapter 2 and look at verse number 5. What does your Bible say in verse 5? There's one God and one what? Mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. All right, so there's one go-between, and it's not me. Uh, it's not Father Guido Sarducci, for those that remember Saturday Night Live from back in the day. All right, it, it's, it's not. Some of you older folks are like, I get it, I get it. Some of you younger folks are like, I don't know what that is. I don't even know what Saturday Night Live is. Uh, better that you don't. It's, it's a good thing. Uh, but, but what I'm getting at is this. It's not a human being that's here right now. It's the Lord Jesus. It's the only person that ever conquered death on their own. All right, and, and so he's the go-between. If someone else claims to be the go-between, then you've got a problem because then the Bible is conflicting with that message. Well, well, who's the authority? Is it what we think? Is it what we were taught in church? Or is it what the Bible actually says? Well, there's one go-between, and his name is Jesus Christ. All right, so, so keep that in mind. The reason that once you go down the road of saying, okay, someone's a mother of God, then eventually there's other things that are added to that when you follow that logical sequence. Because if she's the mother of God, then she was eternal herself. And if she was eternal, then guess what? She was also sinless. We're going to explore that as well. All right? And, and if that's the case, then she was a perpetual virgin, never had any kids, never had any relations with her husband, so on and so forth. And if that was the case, then she went up just like Jesus did. She went up in a cloud. Well, guess what? None of that stuff's true. Right. All right? But if you start here, it's kind of like a snowball effect, and it keeps building. All right? So... Uh, let, let's look at uh, Galatians chapter 4. I told you to go there. Galatians chapter 4. And look if you would at verse number 4. There, there's no doubt, and I, I want to be, be very, very, very careful to not take away from the amazing character and the virtue um, and, and the, if you will, the, the moral quality that the Lord saw in this young lady that he used. We're going to look at that and explore that. But just because someone sees moral, the Lord sees moral quality in you doesn't make you a fourth member of the Trinity, all right? So look at Galatians 4, verse 4. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman. There it is, made under the law. 
In other words, this is when he became the son. This is when she gives birth to Jesus, but she does not, she is not the mother of God. This is all confined. So my point here is it's all confined to time. Are you seeing that? The fullness of the time. Uh, you know, this day have I begotten thee. It's all recorded in time. Whereas Jesus, uh, uh, Jesus or the second man of the Trinity, the word of God, if you will, for eternity past, always has been. He you know what he says before Abraham was, I am, right? Not I was, I am. So he is eternal, she was not, right? No different than us. Uh, now, let me give you this. Um, th- there are some titles given to Mary, and, and uh, again, not try- I'm, I'm trying to give you guys some clarity so that you can understand where some folks are coming from, and you can understand biblically that it's not right. Now, let me give you some advice. I knew some people years ago, and they meant really, they meant well, but uh, they were trying to make a, a point of the fact that we shouldn't worship idols. Didn't the Bible say we shouldn't worship idols? So you know what they did? They went to a, a church uh, of a different denomination, and they grabbed an idol, and they put it on the back of their car and put a rope on it and drug it through town. And uh, let me just say this. You, you may be thinking to yourself, I'm making a point here. All you're doing is infuriating people. All right. And maybe it was funny in the moment, but now someone else, the pastor of your church, has to come behind you and clean that mess up. All right. Now, what I'm getting at is this. You don't have to beat people over the head with the Bible. The greatest way to reach anybody is to love them and to show genuine concern for their soul. But when you do that, there'll be opportunities to have conversations with them. And at least you need to know how to have those conversations. Uh, Look at Jeremiah chapter 44. Jeremiah 44, one of the titles given uh, to Mary by uh, the Catholic Church is the Queen of Heaven. How many of you guys ever heard that before? All right, look at Jeremiah chapter 44. And for some of you, I understand this is, this is really more review than anything else, but for some of you, this is something you probably have never seen in your Bible. And I definitely want to make a point of, of, of noting it. Jeremiah 44, and... Um, uh, look, if you would, at verse, we're going to read verse 17, but before you do that, let me just give you some context. God is not happy with Judah in this passage. This is God's, uh, God's people, the nation of Israel, and they've turned their back on the one true God, and they're worshiping the false gods of the people around them. And one of the false gods was actually a goddess, and if you follow throughout history, there's different names given to these uh, goddesses, if you will. Uh, but look at verse number 11. Therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, behold, I will set my face against you for evil and to cut off all Judah. Now, you don't have to be a Bible scholar to read that one verse and go, that's not good. Can we all agree on that? Not good. So they're not doing right by God's standard. You want to argue with God whether they're doing right or not, that's your business. But in the passage, God's saying, I'm not happy with my people. All right. So that's the context of what we're about to read. Look at verse number uh, 17. Verse number 17 uh, but we will certainly do whatsoever thing goeth forth out of our own mouth. In other words, we don't care what you say, God. And let me tell you, there's some Christians that live that way. I don't care what the preacher says. I don't care what the Bible says. I don't care what the church, I, I don't care. I don't care what God himself, God could show up and tell me himself, and I'm going to do what I'm going to do. Okay, that's fine. You know what I love about the Lord? He is, he is a free will agent. He goes, you know what, if that's what you want, you're a thousand percent entitled to do whatever you want. But... That doesn't mean you get out of the consequences, all right? So, so doing whatever you want doesn't mean you're consequence-free. Uh, even in Monopoly, sometimes you go to jail, all right? 
And, and, so, and so, so what I'm getting at is this. The children of Israel are basically saying to God, you know, we don't care what you say. We're going to do what we want to do. And look what they say they're going to do. Look at verse 17. To burn incense unto the what? Now, whatever this is, it ain't good. And to pour out drink offerings unto her, as we have done, we and our fathers and our kings. And our, in other words, we're the majority. God, you're the minority, so you must be wrong. Boy, that, that one does not uh, uh, age well in history. Oftentimes, the minority is right. Uh, look what it says here. In the streets of Jerusalem, for then had we plenty of victuals and were well and saw no evil. But since we left off to burn incense to the queen of heaven, superstition, and to pour out drink offerings unto her, we have wanted all things and have been consumed by the sword and by the famine. And when we burned incense to the queen of heaven and poured out drink offerings unto her, did we make her cakes to worship her and pour out drink offerings unto her without our men and so on and so forth? This thing's mentioned a number of times in your Old Testament. Look at verse 25. Verse 25, thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, saying, Ye and your wives have both spoken with your mouths and fulfilled with your hands, saying, We will surely perform our vows that we have vowed to burn incense to the queen of heaven and pour out our drink offerings unto her. You will surely accomplish your vows and surely perform your vows. And then basically what God does throughout the rest of the chapter is he says, yep, you can do that, but you're going to be judged for it. Now, now if, let me just say this, if this was a good thing that we're doing, don't think God would be like, that's awesome. I, I applaud you. Great job, kids. You're doing great. Instead of God judging them. So even if you're not a Bible scholar, you can read that and go, this isn't good. So this title in the Old Testament is attributed to false goddesses. It, and by the way, it's associated with the goddess of fertility. Uh, not, not, a, not a good thing. Not a biblical basis for someone that you want to admire. And so here's what I want you to understand. Um, the biblical Mary has nothing to do with that. Right. All right? The biblical Mary is not the queen of heaven. Uh, the biblical Mary has nothing to do with that title. Uh, but, but there's a, a, a Mary that's been purported out there uh, that basically is uh, said to be such. Now, if someone were to call someone the queen of heaven, and then they go in their Bible and they read that, don't you think they'd want to change the title? Because this isn't a good thing. Um, so uh, in light of that, uh, go to Luke chapter number one. Luke chapter number one. Now, I'm trying to show you right now uh, who Mary isn't, all right, um, who she isn't, and then we'll talk about who she is, all right? So, so is Mary sinless? Well, no, uh, she's not, uh, Amazing person? Absolutely. Used of God? Absolutely. Uh, chosen of the Lord because there's some qualities in her life that he could look at and see were different than the people around her? Absolutely. But sinless? No. Uh, look at Luke chapter 1. Look, if you would, at verse 47. Uh, look at verse 46, rather. Mary, Mary said, these are words out of her own mouth, all right? So according to, to the, the author, the good Dr. Luke that writes this book, here's what Mary says. My soul doth magnify the Lord. Now, the context of this is her rejoicing that she was given the opportunity to birth Jesus, all right, the, the Son of God. Uh, uh, it says here, my soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my what? Savior. Question, does Jesus ever refer to another person as his Savior? No. Do you know why? He is the Savior. Now, the reason he doesn't do that is because he is sinless. The Bible says of Jesus Christ in Hebrews 4, he was tempted in all points like as we are yet without sin. I, I love when I'm witnessing to somebody and they're talking about, you know, being a good person. I'll listen and I'm not like, no, you're a sinner. No, I, I'll be I, A lot of people are, by human standards, good people. 
But then when you measure yourself against a man that never looked at a woman and lust after her in his heart, a man that never lied, a man that never manipulated, a man that never cheated, a man that never stole, a ma- I mean, sorry, you fall short. And so, and so here you have, the, in the scriptures, Mary, out of her own mouth, references the fact that she had and needed a Savior. Well, if you need a Savior, you know what that tells me? You're not sinless. Okay? Uh, let, let me give you this. Uh, was she uh, forever a virgin? Did she ever not have any other children? Let's look at what the Bible says about that. Look at Matthew chapter number 13. Matthew 13. I should probably title last week's message and this week's message, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Because I'm sure someone could get offended. I'm not, I don't, I don't, I'm not teaching this to be offensive. I, I want you to know. Because uh, there's a lot of things out there that, that are said, and especially this time of year, about the characters involved with the Christmas story, if you will. And I'd like for you guys to know what the Bible actually says about them. Uh, look at Matthew 13. Look at verse number 55. Matthew 13, verse 55. Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? And his what? He had brothers, James and Joseph and Simon and Judas. You go, oh, well, brothers could be like, you know, like the disciples, like spiritual. Okay, then what is verse 56? And his sisters, are they not all with us? Whence then hath this man all these things? In other words, the crowd is looking at, who Je- at, at, at Jesus, at his words, uh, at, at the things that he's doing, at the wisdom that he has. And they're going, wait a minute, this guy's the carpenter's son. His family's right over there. There's his brothers, there's his sisters, there's his mom. Like, what is, well, I don't get who he is because we know him as that guy. That's what's going on. Uh, look at Matthew chapter 12. You're really close at verse number 46. Matthew 12, verse number 46. While he yet talked to the people, behold, his mother and his what? That can't be the disciples. The disciples are with him. Whoever this is, they're outside of the house. They're outside of the group there. And so it's talking about his physical brothers. All right. Now, obviously, Joseph wasn't his physical father. God was his father. But Mary's the mom. So you can make the argument those are half-brothers, whatever. But, but here's what, what I want you to get. Mary had other children. Jesus wasn't the only one, all right? Uh, Look at Matthew chapter number one, Matthew chapter one. Now, the Bible has a way of saying things in a very pure way uh, that the world has a hard time saying in a pure way. Uh, Matthew chapter one, look, if you would, at verse number 23. Talking about Mary, behold, a virgin shall be with child, quoting scripture, quoting the prophecy of the Old Testament, and shall bring forth a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife. Now, look what this is in verse 25. And knew her not. Now, if you study your Bible, what you find out is when you know someone in a physical sense, that is the act of marriage. And it says, he knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son. What does that tell you? That tells you after she brought forth her firstborn son, he knew her. Which is where all the other kids come from. So, so, so what I want, I guess I'm trying to do here is just trying to show you, there are some things that people will say, and if they're repeated enough, people will believe, but you need to understand biblically, it's not enough for you to go, I'm Baptist, you're Catholic, you're wrong. That's not right. That's not the right way to approach any of that, all right? The right way to approach it is, what does the Bible say? And I want to know what the Bible says about every area of my life, including this subject. 
And so as I look at that, she had other kids. She wasn't sinless, all right? And, 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 and the last thing is this. Was she taken up into heaven? Well, I can tell you this. The Bible doesn't record anything about her death at all. The last thing you read about, uh, you read about her being there, gathered in, in the book of Acts, that she's there with the disciples. Uh, you read in John chapter, I believe it's chapter 19, where Jesus looks at John, the disciple, and says to him, hey, this is not your mom. And he looks at his mom. He goes, uh, woman, behold thy son. Talking to John. In other words, John, uh, you're going to start taking care of her. You're going to be the caretaker for my mom because I'm the firstborn son, and I will no longer be around. And the implication is Joseph is already dead, so someone needs to take care of her. right? And so he, he, he chooses John to do that, but that's really it. You don't read about her death in the Bible. And the problem with saying, well, well, then maybe she was, maybe this did happen, is this. The, the only way for someone to do that on their own power is for them to be God. And that's why Jesus himself is called the first fruits of the resurrection. And we come after that, right? There is no other person in the New Testament where they, the Bible says that they die and supernaturally they, they don't experience, you know, either they don't experience death, which is one part of the teaching, or the other one that they die and they were just taken up. Uh, body and soul together. There's no record of that in the Bible, all right? And, and so, again, we talk about who she was. And, well, who, who was she then, all right? And by the way, uh, let me kind of read some of this to you as well. The Catechism teaches that Mary was taken to heaven when the course of her earthly life was finished. The church does not declare whether Mary died and was then assumed into heaven or whether she was assumed before she died. It leaves open both possibilities. Well, might as well, because once you start anything that isn't in the Bible, it's anything goes, Right? So it, it, I guess so, right? However, the ma- majority of theologians and saints throughout the cer- centuries have affirmed that Mary did experience death, so on and so forth. All right, here's the third part. The catechism affirms that Mary was taken body and soul into heavenly glory right at the end of her earthly life. Well, the problem with that is that it's not in the Bible. It's not there. I, I could, listen, guys, there are some things I wish I could teach. I'm, I'm not kidding. If I could teach them, I'd do it. I'd lie to you guys all day if I could. I would. To get you to do things? Yeah, sure. That's what people do all the time. You guys are looking like, come on, guys. You know religious leaders do this all the time to manipulate people. If I could get away, the problem is you guys are using the same book I am. And so when I say something, matter of fact, when I tell you to go to a certain verse and I'm on the wrong chapter, you guys stop and raise your hands and smoke signals go up and all kinds of clatter in the church. I can tell everyone's looking around going, what's going on? What, what happened to pastor? He must not have gotten enough sleep. And I'm just in the chapter right next to you, okay? So, so this is the problem in a Bible-believing church. We're all using the same authority, right? Uh, so, so who was she? Uh, look at Luke chapter 1, and we'll look at John 2 in a moment. Luke chapter number 1. She wasn't sinless, but she was definitely chosen of the Lord. And I want to give you kind of a little bit of an outline of some things that I see uh, in Mary's life that I think are worth noting. All right? and, and there's so much more that could be said. There are, there are uh, a number of passages, especially in the early parts of the Gospels, that talk about uh, Mary and, of course, the, the angel Lord coming to her and Gabriel and all that stuff. Uh, but look at Luke chapter number 1 and verse number uh, 27. To a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Let me just stop and just say a couple things. When you're highly favored of the Lord, that's a good thing. And, and let me say this, God loves all his children, okay? 
I'm going to say something maybe you, you can't, maybe haven't thought about before, or maybe you have and you don't like it, but here we go. Um, the Bible says that uh, David wrote this, the Lord liked me. There are some people you love because you have to. <laughs> you don't like them. Some of you are like, yeah, you're one of them. <laughs> Sometimes you come to church with people like that. Come on, don't look at me like that. You're supposed to love your church family, but you don't. Oh, okay, you guys are like stuffy. Let me help you out. You're, you're about to go to the bathroom, and some little snot-nosed kid runs in front of you, and you look at him like, what in the world? And the mom's standing over there, and she's laughing at it. You're going, really? You think that's funny? <laughs> you don't always like everyone in church, but you have to love them. Now look, God loves all of his children. Listen to me, you know what? Not because of you, but because of Christ in you. That's why God loves you. All right? And now that you are in Christ, his love is unconditional because Christ is in you until the day that you are called to glory. And that's what we call the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Listen, you are one with Christ and Christ is in you and you are in Christ. Thank God you can't lose that, amen? Because if you could, you would. But that said, God loves you because of that, all right? But God doesn't always like his kids. When someone is highly favored, you know what that means? God, see, see, love is based on position. Like is based off of action. God loves you as his child no matter what you do. He doesn't like you all the time. Some of you are like, you're really having a hard time with that. I can tell. It's like, what? <laughs> like is based, if you go throughout the scriptures, we don't have time to study it right now. But when you look at who God likes and who God says that he enjoys and who God calls his friends, it's based off of their actions. Who God loves is based off of position. All right, you are in Christ and you can't, thank God, you can't change that once you're saved. The reason God loves you is because you chose him as your savior. Now you're part of his family. He loves his child. But he doesn't, look, some of you are having a hard time with this and you're stinking hypocrites because you parents always, you know, always like your own kids. You love them, but you don't always like, some of you are like, yeah, you got me, preacher. You, you don't always like your kids. You know that's true. You love them, and you tolerate them. And sometimes you like them, but not always. What's the difference? You love them all the time. Sometimes you like them based on how they respond to you. Are you getting the picture? So Mary is highly favored. There are some things that she's doing that, are, that the Lord, that got his attention. Uh, look at verse 28. The Bible says the Lord was with her. All right, well, well, that's a big deal. You know, in the Old Testament, they didn't even have the permanent indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So you know what God would do in the Old Testament? He would come on to somebody, the Holy Spirit would come on to somebody, and at times, like with the, 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 the situation story with Saul, he would leave. He would come, and he would, thank God we're not in the Old Testament anymore. Thank God for that. Uh, but with Mary, the Bible says the Lord was with her. You know what that tells me? The Lord liked how she was living. And he said, I, I, I kind of want to be around this person. Uh, look what it says in verse 28. It says that she's blessed. She's blessed. Uh, now, l- let, me, let me say this. Our 21st century American version of I am blessed is probably different than God's. Because I am blessed in our minds means I have a car and I've got food and i got you know, money in the bank. i got a 401k and i got this and i got that. But, but being blessed by the Lord. The Bible says, if Paul says this, he has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in Christ. Right? There are spiritual blessings as well to be attained. And I think there's some of that going on here. Look, if you would, at verse 30. In verse 30, it says that she found favor with God. Uh, in verse 34, the Bible says that she knew not a man. You know what it tells me? She was pure. 
All right, that, there, there's just some moral quality to this person here. Uh, look at verse 38. I love this. You know what she says? Be it unto me according to thy word. You know what it tells me about Mary? She had some faith. You know what she said? Lord, whatever your word is, okay, then that's how it's going to be. These are things you can look at and go, I, I, th- here's, here's some patterns for my life. I would like the Lord to say, I like you. I, I highly favor you based on how you're living. I, I'd like the Lord to say, hey, you're blessed. In my sight, whether anybody else sees it or not, you're blessed for me. I would like the Lord to look at me and go, man, I like that faith. Whatever it is that I said, you're going to do it. That, that's great. Look at John chapter 2. John chapter 2 with that same thought. I love this. We saw it a second ago. John chapter number 2. John chapter number 2. And look, if you would, at verse number 5. His mother say, saith unto the servants, Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. You know what I, I like about Mary? She pointed other people to Jesus. Right. You want to look at some great qualities of Mary that you could have put into work in your life? Think about the things that you're saying and doing and thinking on. Does God like those things? Do you ever think about this? What makes God laugh in the Bible? What makes God angry? Now, I'll tell you this. Our problem is what we laugh at, God oftentimes gets upset about and vice versa. Right. But, but the idea is, have you ever stopped to think, like, does God like who I hang out with? You go, I don't think God cares about that. Well, based off of what? The Bible I'm reading shows that God intensely cares about who you spend time with. So, so you know what? Does God like who I, I spend my time with? Does God like what I'm thinking about? Does God like how I respond to my spouse? Does God like the way that I'm raising my child? Does God like the things that I enjoy? Does God, listen, that, that's a great way to live your life. You can gain some spiritual blessings that way. And I would say this, lastly, if you spend the rest of your life doing nothing else but pointing other people to Jesus, you would do just fine for yourself. Look back at verse 4 of John chapter 2. John chapter 2, verse 4. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. Now, this last thought, we didn't quite get to the whole timing thing, God's timing, but I do want to point out that this term woman is the same term he uses with the woman at the well. Now, that woman was not living a great virtuous life. Uh, but but it, it's, it's his way of greeting a, another adult woman is all that it is. All right. But there's something else going on there. He says to, to Mary at the cross, uh, woman, behold thy son, talking about John. All right. There's no doubt Jesus honored his mother because that's part of the Ten Commandments. All right. But there's something deeper there. Uh, Look, if you would, at uh, Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter number 11. Um, I'm sorry, go to Mark 3. Mark 3. We'll we'll get to some of these other passages next week. Mark chapter 3. Mark 3. Mark chapter 3. You know what mattered to Jesus more than... Now, you, you you would think, based off of if, you know, Mary was, you know, kind of like a mediatrix, and if Mary was the mother of God, if Mary was all the things that some people say she is, um, then what Jesus is about to say is kind of mind-blowing. Look at Mark chapter 3 and verse number 31. There came then his brethren and his mother, and standing without, sent unto him, calling him. And the multitude said about him, and they said unto him, Behold thy mother and thy brethren without secret. This is a normal thing. There's a group of people inside somewhere. There's another group of people saying, Hey, we want to see the guy that's inside. And the group of people that are, that are inside go, hey, Jesus, the folks outside your family wants to talk to you. Look at his response in verse 33. And he answered them saying, who is my mother or my brethren? 
And he looked round about on them which sat about him and said, Behold my mother and my brethren. Strong statement. Look what he says. For whosoever shall do the will of God, the same is my brother and my sister and mother. Now, the, the, the point is this. There's two things. One is that he's referring to a spiritual family that is to be, and that is eventually going to be us, and here we are. The, the second part of this is this, is that it was not a disrespectful thing as much as it was, hey, what was his priority when he was here? Was it his earthly mother or was it his father's business? Remember when he gets, uh, 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 gets left behind in the temple and Mary and Joseph go off and they come back and she goes, why did you do this to me? We spent days looking for you. I can't believe it. You're right? And then Jesus, how does he respond? Wist ye not that I must be about my father's business? Right? So it shows you that while he honored his mother, all right, once he began his earthly ministry, his direct authority and his marching orders came from the father. Not from any human person. Would he honor? Would he, would he cherish? Would he love? Would he respect? Yes. But would he put her before the Father's will? No. So it kind of clarifies some things about who Mary is. It also, we'll end with this thought, it also kind of gives us uh, some marching orders because if Jesus himself, who had probably one of the best moms that a person could have, if Jesus himself said that about his family, what position should we take with ours? It doesn't mean I don't love them. It doesn't mean that I don't pray for them. It doesn't mean I don't help them. It doesn't. But when family wants me to choose between them and the Father's will, my marching orders come from up top. Amen. Let's stop right there. Let's all stand. We'll be dismissed in order of prayer. And uh, we'll take about a 10-minute break and start our Sunday morning service. Thank you so much for coming to Sunday school. Hopefully you learned something. I gave you some food for thought. Uh, Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for the word. Lord, thank you for allowing us to open it. Thank you, Lord, that we're not in North Korea where you can't have a whole Bible. Lord, just all the blessings that we think about Thanksgiving and how good you've been to us. Lord, there's food in our stomachs. There's clothes on our backs. Lord, there, there's a Bible in our hand. Uh, Lord, we have a church family. Lord, that we, we've been blessed beyond all measure. We love you. We thank you. Thank you for the word of God. Help us to take this, Lord, digest it, chew on it. Lord, help us to leave this place being a little bit more like Mary, pointing others to you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And we'll take a break right there.